Ben Jaworski, what's going on? We've got a topic today, John. We have a couple of topics. I'm still drinking non-alcoholic beer, though. Tonight in a bottle, because I'm classy. <laughs> it's like in a that. bottle. It looks even more legit. Klaus mm-hmm. Taylor. Original. Mm-hmm. See? Non-alcoholic. Says it right on the bottle. You can see? Does it taste like beer? Uh, yeah, for the most part. <laughs> How is that for a rave review? Yeah, yeah, kind of. Sort of. I don't know. Silver <laughs> October is the saddest of all months, I've decided. <laughs> the saddest of all months, but it's helping me reach my nutrition goals, so that's exciting. Yeah, that's, that's good. Are you? Do you think you're going to stick with some of the habits in November? I mean, we're over halfway through October. Do you think yeah, you're going to keep so. any of them? Or? Yeah, I think I'll keep a lot of them. I, um, Which ones? Uh, drinking coffee later in the morning. Okay. But not drinking coffee as soon as I roll out of bed. That's pretty good. I'm, I found that I'm drinking far less coffee because I'm starting later. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Okay. Uh, so I like that one. I like the non-alcoholic beers and truthfully by and large, for the most part, I'll probably stick with it. Truthfully, like they're, they're not bad. You just have to find, find them. They're like hard to find. It's a real pain in the ass. Like it doesn't matter where you go. Like nobody carries them in the bar. So you really struggle to find them in restaurants. Hmm. Um, And even in grocery stores and what's weird in Ohio, they card you. It literally, like I ordered some to be delivered to the house and I had to come out and show my ID for non-alcoholic beer. <laughs> I'm like, that's so crazy. That's so weird. And it's well, it, that's happening with not just that one that you ordered, like different ones too. Yeah, it's just weird. It's like I get I can only guess because it's you know it has a mm-hmm. tiny percentage of alcohol still in it, you know, per volume. But yeah, you know I mean, you have to drink to get any kind of buzz. Like you'd you'd literally explode. Your bladder <laughs> would explode before you could drink that much. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like that. Um, I don't know, dude, I'm trying to take it one day at a time. I mean, mostly I'm just trying to keep my nutrition in check and it's helping me do that. These things have like little to no calories yeah. and they fit in my macros. So it works. And you do get the, uh, for anyone that's trying to not drink or doing so work or whatever, like the one weird benefit that I found is like, I was watching the football game on, um, Saturday the good football games, not the crappy ones where my brows lost. <laughs> and I'm sitting there drinking uh, athletic brewing, which is really good, non-sponsored. And um, I'm watching the game. I realized like I was having the same kind of experience just without the buzz. Hmm. And I didn't feel like I was missing anything. That's you know, cool. like, and you know, granted I was by myself and it wasn't, you know, but still like I you had the same like kind of vibe. If that makes sense. You know, it just, it was weird. So yeah, I think I'll keep doing that. I like it. You know, it allows me to keep training and not go into the gym on Saturday and Sunday with a headache and hungover and, you know, feeling yeah. dehydrated and, and all of that. So, yeah. What was uh, interesting is uh, I'm going to probably misquote some of it and misrepresent some of it, but Andrew Huberman is a very popular podcast. He's a professor at Stanford, super smart guy. And he's, his whole podcast is about optimizing health and, well-being and things like that and he posted something i think on his instagram uh it was a chart that showed the basically the prevalence or or occurrences of doing harm to yourself and then also doing harm to others while on certain substances and it was like you had alcohol meth crack cocaine 
MDMA, mushrooms, you had like everything, like all like both legal and illegal, Adderall, like things like that. Alcohol by far was the the highest. And I it wasn't like highest simply because everyone has access to alcohol. It was highest by like if 100 people did meth and 100 people did, did got drunk on alcohol, who's going to do more harm to themselves and more harm to other people? And actually, uh, this chart showed that alcohol ranked number one, even above, I think, like, crack was two and meth was three. I'm just like, geez, uh, pretty, pretty wild. And, of course, mushrooms all the way down at the bottom. Um, <laughs> well, and then, like, and then cannabis was like somewhere in the middle, but just like super interesting stuff. Super, super interesting. That is interesting. I'll tell you the one habit I'm not going to carry with me, at least I won't after this uh, training cycle is over. I got up this morning and uh, I was doing some recruiting today for a job I'm trying to fill at work. And so I had a, a interview lunch I was doing with somebody. And so I wasn't quite sure what I was going to be able to have for lunch, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I got to get my macros in. So, I was like, all right, well, I'm just going to have a non-traditional day. So I had my lunch for breakfast. And if you've ever eaten eight ounces of chicken and some potatoes for breakfast, that's some nasty shit, bro. Is that was not fun. I did not enjoy any of it. I was having to choke that stuff down. It's like I don't like this. I don't know, man. I can eat. I can eat anything any time of day. Like right, oh, it was I can. Seven o'clock in the morning, dude. I needed. I needed more wake up time to choke down some protein. But like. Body comp's working and body scan looked good this week. You know, I'm not losing a ton of weight, but I'm putting on some muscle. So it works. It's just good. create some nasty habits yeah. <laughs> that I don't like. I want pancakes and bacon and uh, breakfast foods with syrup on it. You know, I miss all that stuff. We can't all have your 12 pack, you know. Well, yeah, but I'm so on body by elk. I need to add some muscle to my bones. Have you? How much have you gained back? I don't know. I rarely weigh myself, but I probably weighed back some, and it's probably pure, pure fat because uh, I've hardly been training. And when I have trained, it's like holy crap, I'm sore, like crazy sore. Um, so I, so it's going to be a little bit of a of a long road to get back in, until I'm you know able to do one or let's say five training sessions a week with lifting and not feel incredibly sore. Um, so it's going to be a bit of a road. First two weeks back, what's most sore? Is it from squats, from pressing, pulling? What's what? What gave gave way the most in the month you were out of the gym? Uh, upper body for sure. So, um, like I just remember doing a workout with my buddy Jeff here at Wad Prep because he was coming through from Wyoming. And let's just put it this way: Jeff shouldn't beat me in workouts, right? Like I do CrossFit kind of for oh, a living. That's not watching. You just broke his heart, bro. No, Jeff would, Jeff even knows Jeff would be like, yeah, dude, why the heck did I beat you? Um, but he beat me in an AMRAP and there was like, uh, it was, I think it was chest to bar pull-ups. I think it was 10 chest to bar pull-ups or 10 pull-ups. No, it was chest to bar. I think it was 10 chest to bar pull-ups. 15 GHD and something else. Uh, it was like a bike sprint or a row sprint calories. Were you totally depressed that you lost somebody you shouldn't lose to. And it was, I mean, it was just like, it was amazing. It was eye opening. I'm just like, holy crap. Like halfway through that workout, I can just feel like the one, my core smoke for the GHDs. And then the, the pull-ups are just like hard. Pull-ups are never hard for me ever. 
and sets of 10, I was like, I was struggling. I had to actually break it up towards the, the latter half of the 15 minute AMRAP. And I'm just like, wow, like this is this, I am significantly less strong than I was in, you know, the middle of the summer. Um, and I haven't necessarily been super focused on getting it back, but it's, it's going to be a road. Cause I can literally feel my arms failing on the pull-ups and I'm like, what the heck is this? I think I need to fly to Colorado and get a rematch real quick for our uh, games workout. We did when we went. Yeah. You dust, you'd probably dust me right now, man. <laughs> uh, I remember during the pandemic, this is, we're not talking about anything the show's about tonight, but during the pandemic, we'll be talking about double owners at some point. We will. We'll 100%. get to them. But during, during the pandemic, you know, I have this awesome home gym and they closed down Cliffside and, you know, put in perspective, Cliffside was full of really good young athletes, sub like 25 year old, all wanting to be competitive, you know? And, uh, we've been out of the gym for like four to six months and I had been here training my ass off. I had nothing else to do, dude. Like, we were working from home and, you know, my work's hard, but I got a lot of flexibility. So I was doing two a days for like six months. Well, we finally get back in the gym. And I don't even remember what the workout was, but I'm doing it next to this kid that wants to be competitive and he can't be older than 23 and he's fit as hell. And same scenario. I got no business beating him and I beat him by like two reps and I thought he was going to cry. Swear to God. <laughs> I thought he was going to like, he just couldn't wrap his mind around some old guy. Had beaten him, but you know, he hadn't had a place to train. He was 23 and there was no gym for him to go to. And he'd probably been doing body weight shit for six months, if that, yeah. you yeah. know, and living like a 23 year old. Meanwhile, yeah. I'm down in the basement like Rocky, like <laughs> slamming, slamming stuff and trying to keep my old body in shape. It was the only time I've ever beaten him. I've never beat him since, and I would never beat him again. <laughs> but it was the best six months worth of training in my life. I'll hear you, just, man. Just for that one moment. Love it. it. So I'm coming to Colorado. Worth it. Yeah, come out here. You'll kick. You'll mop the floor with me right now. Have uh, Have you picked a new place to live yet? Circling back to last week. No, not yet. Um, if, if anything, like some of my research and looking around, uh, I'm you know realizing how awesome Denver is. I'm like, you know, Denver really does check pretty much all of my boxes, other than being smaller than Denver. Um, but there's there's several Colorado towns I'm interested in: Salida, Eagle, Pagosa Springs. Durango. One of our, one of our listeners messaged me and said that and uh, a physical therapist, young woman, I might add, said she was really disappointed that you didn't have Phoenix, Arizona on the list. She happens to live in Phoenix, I'm just saying. Well, like, I don't know if she happened to have messaged me on Instagram. I don't know why she's messaging you about this. The same reason everybody else does, Ben. They're scared I'm the, of me. I'm the accessible one. I'm the one people like. You're the you're the scary good looking one. I'm just the normal guy that people want to talk to. Uh uh, I, it's so funny though, because I think I feel like a lot of people assume that I get hundreds of DMs, you know, like they and they like won't message me or they won't respond or like they'll, you know, they just assume that there's just copious amounts of DMs rolling in, and it's really, I mean, it's really not not the case. Like a lot, like a lot of times when I ask questions, not a lot of people answer them. Um, sometimes I get a bunch, but it's it's definitely not as much as I think everyone else thinks there is. You're gonna get a bunch of DMs from dudes now. You're gonna be like, I didn't mean from you. Yes, no. everybody shut up. Everybody no, shut up waiting for the girls, waiting for the women. Come on. No, I uh yeah, I don't get don't get too many. I the requests do pile up a little bit sometimes when I'm out of town. Or like during the open, that's that's a time where it's like really, really heavy. But otherwise it's like, yeah. Especially if it's like if people ask a really e easy question or a simple question or 
say something, you know, like as long as you're clear, then it, you'll get a good response. Uh, it's man, I can't tell you how many people will just, they will like DM me out of the blue where it's like, Hey Ben, I was wondering, could you give me a five-year training plan to help get to the CrossFit games? Right. Here's all my numbers. Here's this, here's that. And it's like, they want it for free. And I'm just like, what? I, I, I don't know. It's just like, if you had like, if you had a, if you imagine messaging a doctor that wasn't even like your friend, you just have a doctor and you're like, Hey, can you tell me how to solve X, Y, Z solve, right. you know, like, and prescribe me this medication completely free. Just like, it's interesting. Well, if anybody meets that doctor, I'd like to know them. I'd yeah. definitely love to get that free doctor. Yeah. But anyway, don't ever be afraid to message me. Just, you know, don't ask me to review 13 videos and give you a training plan for free. You, you will not, you will not get a response. To, to be fair. I don't think this uh, PT woman in Arizona was messaging because she wanted to hit on you. I'm going to say that out loud. I have a, <laughs> bad, I have a bad shoulder. We're going to talk about PT on the air uh, here and how often you should go. And that's why she was messaging. It was like, cause I was bitching about how broken down I am. Let's talk about double unders. Yes, that? that was our topic of the night, right? Yes, I haven't done double unders in a couple of weeks, they just haven't been programmed. I feel no. like I, need, I know I need to. That's very unusual that I don't get them in programming often. It's even more unusual that I don't practice them on my own. So mm. I'm a little nervous, I'm gonna be tripping next time I have to do them. Yeah, I think once you get to a certain point with double unders, they're almost like riding a bike. Like when I shot, I had a video shoot last week. And a lot of the videos that I shot were double under based. Um, and I was practicing all kinds of different stuff. And yeah, picked it up, picked up a rope, no problem, was able to knock them out. But I think for a lot of people, double unders are super streaky. It's like they'll be really good at them one day. And then two days later, they're just an absolute freaking train wreck. Um, and that inconsistency, I think, is a sign that there's definitely a lot of things to work on. Like there's probably something weird you're doing with the rope or maybe the rope isn't the right one for you. There's, there's just something where like your margin of error is so small that if something is just different on that specific day, you're tripping left and right. Hey, um, let, me, let me ask you some questions. Cause I saw some uh, beyond the whiteboard uh, double under percentiles is I, I wish I had it on the screen. I like totally forgot. I saw this yesterday. How many can you do unbroken? What's your max set? I think the max I've ever recorded or tried for unbroken. Um, so what do you think you could do? If you go, go went and grab a rope right now, how many could you do unbroken? 400. Jesus, dude. That's insane. The top 99th percentile for men, 334. So you're in the top, you're in the top 1%. But that yeah. is a huge... Decline from there. The 95th percentile is 215, 90th, 180, 80th, 129. This is where I start getting annoyed because I feel like I'm really good at double unders. Mm-hmm. I come nowhere near these numbers. Mm. Not even, I couldn't do a, a 114 is the 75th percentile. I couldn't do that if you put a gun to my head. Mm. You know, like I just couldn't. 97 to 60th, 50th percentile, 75. That's a big number. Wow, I wouldn't expect it to be quite that high. Well, this is saying max set. Do you think that what's that mean for you, max set? Is that like unbroken is considered a max set, or we're we just saying until you have to stop? 
I would assume unbroken. I mean, if it's it have to be because I can do three hundred. It's until you have to stop, then it's a very terrible measurement because it's like, okay, what time domain? You know, like am I allowed to take a five second break, ten second break? This seems yeah. I, like I don't feel like I know that many people that can do a hundred unbroken, and yeah, for that to be the sixtieth percentile. That seems that's a that's a, it's a very interesting stat. I would I don't know. I feel like, and that's just maybe because I run a coaching company, and most of the people that come to Wad Prep are in in need of coaching, but. Um, I, I feel like if I went to a local CrossFit gym, like if I went to all the gyms locally around here and lined everyone up and said, all right, do a max set, uh, 50th percentile would be lower than 75 unbroken, I think. I want to know the people in the chat. What's your max set? Single set of double unders, max reps. Throw it up in the chat. I just, I just give us a baseline. And here's another thing, John, is, is this what you can do regularly or is this like all time max effort the stars and moon and planets have aligned and you hit your like magical unbroken set because i like maybe that could skew the numbers a bit but still 75 seems a little high for a lot of people. max set seems like a weird i mean we should talk about this i think max sets a weird measurement for double unders like i can't do 100 unbroken but i can go out and do any 50 40 30 20 10 no problem and crank that's, it out like doing that 50 seems, broke, it's not a big deal but to do another 50 without stopping like that is a game changer hmm. you know is what, what do you think is that should you be able should 100 be a benchmark that everyone should be able to obtain or should you be happy being able to do 50 when you need to do them so my kind of the the benchmark of mastery that i have and have like been coaching for a while is like you should be able to do 50 unbroken double unders anytime. And that means like, it's not like, Oh wow, I did 50. It's if I hand you a jump rope that might not even be yours, it just happens to be the right length. You should still be able to do 50 unbroken. Like um, it's kind of like 50 unbroken under almost any conditions, whether you're tired, whether you're um, sore, whether you're fresh, whether, you know, whatever. Um, But in terms of like, if you're trying to be an, an, a quote unquote RX athlete, I, I'd say 50 unbroken is, is a great benchmark. If you're trying to be um, a the competitive athlete with higher aspirations, then a hundred is I'd say a good benchmark. You ever done the workout? I think it's called air force where you do unbroken uh, dubs, but if you break, you have to st- start over on that round. So you do like 10, stop 20 stop 30 stop 40 stop 50 stop 40 and you know back down to 10 yes i think i have and it was very easy yeah easy for you you can do 300 (laughs) (laughs) for those of us that aren't superhuman like you it's hard bro yeah well i mean the reason i can do a lot is because i I practice them a lot and i mean in learning how to do double unders i like in honestly, in learning, try to in learning how to coach double unders, I became really good at double unders and can identify things that would cause me to trip prior to tripping. For instance, like flight simulator. Um, That's what it's I, called. I actually flight simulator. I actually get to notice, um, like I can tell when I've almost tripped. Let's say the rope rope like hits my right pinky toe. It's like, oh, I know I need to push the rope a little bit to the right because I'm a little lopsided. Like there's like little things and and stuff that, that I can pick up where I think a lot of people, they just spin and it's like, oh, I tripped and I don't know why. 
Um, I think, think someone who's really good at double unders can kind of see what's going on and can adjust their rope speed and, and jumps height accordingly or you know manipulate the the shape of the rope by pushing it from one side to the other um but it's easier said than done i mean it's it's double unders are it's one of the movements where i see some people who are really really good at crossfit like they can do all the movements they can hit the weights they can do a lot of the gymnastic skills that require you know strength and coordination but double unders don't really require much strength it's just it's essentially i think People who can dance can do double unders. That's <laughs> kind of it. It's like it's obviously never rhythm. seen me dance. It's all I, rhythm and beat. And if you don't have rhythm and beat, it's a lot harder to learn double unders. That part I will I will absolutely agree that it's rhythm and beat. Uh I don't know if you have to be able to dance to do them. What's the what do you think is the number one mistake people make when they're doing double unders? In learning, I think like let's say we're we're talking about an athlete who is trying to improve double unders. I think the number one mistake is using a super duper fast speed rope because mm. a lot of people see these games athletes with their fancy schmancy ropes they think oh more expensive rope equals better equals better double unders yes what happened what, what happened to say what yes. that's exactly what it means yes <laughs> the most the more expensive the better Same so, for, so for me i think uh, a huge realization was was moving to a heavier cabled rope so a rope that weighs more than two ounces normally, that was a huge benefit for me because you can feel the rope better. You can like feel the tension in your hands as you're spinning. The rope tends to have better shape. It's less likely to get twisted when it's heavier material. And an often like a very, very common problem that a lot of people have is over spinning. So for my first probably year of trying to do double unders, I was a I was failure. Like I was terrible at them. I'd have some of them some days, like maybe miraculously in the middle of the workout, I'd knock out 15 or 20, but most of the time I'm just tripping every third rep. And it was almost certainly because I was overdoing it. I was spinning too fast. I was putting too much effort because you watch double unders. You're like, wow, that's so fast. So you just think faster equals better. And you know, same thing with the rope. You also do with your spins like faster is better. And I can't tell you how many athletes I've had come to take our double under course. And, uh, you know, they're in our coaching group and I'll watch it or one of our coaches will watch it. And it's like, dude, you almost just did a triple under and you didn't even realize like you're spinning two and a half times, not two times. And that's the huge, huge issue. Cause if you are over spinning, you'll, you might get away with a couple reps, but by the time you get to like that fifth or sixth rep, your ropes already over spinning so much, you're, you're just going to trip. Um, so I think overspin due to a rope that's too fast is like the number one most common mistake I see across the board. The one I always saw, this was my mistake early on, um, was raising your hands, you know, yep. not, not keeping your hands low. Like, so a rope length yeah. is probably the better way to think of it. Like you yeah. raise your hands and that rope gets shorter in essence, even though it does, yeah. you know, you're reducing the distance mm -hmm. and then you're basically either slapping yourself in the front of the legs or the back of the legs, depending on where it's going to hit. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah. that was always my mistake was like, and it was always one arm, not to both arms. You know, I wasn't doing both arms like this. Mm -hmm. you know, it was always one and it would start drifting, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and that's the worst because, and then the rope, not only are you shortening the distance on the rope, but then it's getting misshapen and which is even worse. Yeah, you're you're pushing it to one side. It's gonna hit. It's gonna hit. You know, your your if you're lifting your right arm, it's gonna hit your left toe, your left pinky toe. 
Yeah. Oh, I had myself in the dick once. That was awesome. Oh man. I didn't think that was possible. Nice dude. Hurt so bad. Too bad we don't have it slow-mo. You could have memed yourself. Oh, you should I was on the floor for a while. It was that was not fun. Anyway, I'll say was it an uncoated steel cable? Uh it was a speed rope. Okay. Yeah, it hurt. It hurt really bad. I'll tell you so, the, the cue that Saxon gave to fix me on uh this part of my doubles because they kept it kept drifting was uh keep your hands slightly out in front where you can see them. Okay. And you can see your hands in front. Yep. And that really fixed it for me because then I had to lock my elbows into my mm-hmm. into my ribs in order to see my hands. Because if you take if your elbows move, your hands start drifting. You could just stand there and look at it and start moving your hands. At some point, it gets out of your peripheral and you can't see it anymore. And that's when it really started occurring to me. As long as I could see my hands, then I could flick that rope out in front of me, and it was so much easier for me. It's not a it's not a perfect science, but it was it gave me something to concentrate on particularly in a workout that was kicking my ass. Like if the workout was really hard, it would just give me something to think about instead of the pain I was going through or trying to breathe or whatever else I was worried about. Okay. I I got another one for you that could, that could help. I like that. I like being able to see your hands out of your peripheral. Uh, Another one to make sure that your rope stays long enough, essentially, because what happens when you like you could, in theory, have your arms really wide and do a bunch of double unders, but your rope would just have to be long enough to yep. accommodate that. What happens is people hands start narrow where they're supposed to, and then as they spin and spin and spin, they get wider, and thus that rope lifts off the ground, and then it hits your toes. So the way to fix that, I think, a big cue that we use all the time is to tell people to listen to the rope hitting the ground. So when you're doing double unders, you should hear a distinct tap, tap. So it's like when you're doing double unders, it's like, like you can hear the rope spinning, but you can also hear the rope clicking the ground. So it's like tap, 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 like under your feet. So you could jump like, yeah, you can do that on rubber and listen to it. Or like if your gym has like hardwood for like lifting platforms, that's another you know, I wouldn't necessarily do it in a workout and maybe they don't like you jumping on that, but especially when you're practicing, if you can get on wood or something a little bit um, louder or turn the music down, but just listen to your rope. If your rope is clicking the ground, that means it's not going to touch your toes. But if that rope loses contact with the ground and you're not hearing it tap the ground twice, then it's, it's just a matter of time before you're going to trip. You know, to that point, you mentioned you have to be able to dance. Here's a great song to learn double unders by down with the sickness. Great song. Cause it has that rhythm at the beginning of it. And that's how I learned double unders was against a metrodome. And you find songs that are in that speed that you want to jump at. And that's your speed. Right hmm. now. And there is a speed in which you have to go. You can't, you know, you don't want to go too fast, but you also can't go too slow. There's only so high you can jump. Right. So you have to figure out what is that speed. And that song is kind of the perfect speed for double unders. And if you can find other songs that fall within that, that are like in four, four, and that's your speed. Right. And to your point, you're listening to that double tap mm-hmm. hitting the floor every time. Yep. It was a huge game changer for me, but you have to find time to actually practice it. Like you're not just going to be able to go put on a song and do it. Like it really means you have to put the song on every day and get sick of the song <laughs> over the course of a month while you're learning to do it or just go get a damn metrodome that works too. Yeah. Sure. But. Sure. I've never tried with a song or a metronome. Um, I do think everyone kind of has like a, like how, 
how high you can jump consistently kind of is the that's the thing that determines your rope speed because i think a lot of people try to jump at the speed of their rope but they end up not being able to like you said you can't jump high enough to maintain a slow jump or you just end up jumping way too fast which i I even find is more common people will like do these really tiny fast jumps and spin the rope at warp you know mach 10 speed and it's just like hey whoa whoa slow down so yeah finding a song that maybe you can you can you know time your jump to or time the clicking of the double unders to that could work that would be interesting to I wonder what the optimal BPM song is, like the optimal beats per minute. I'm going to guess it's 94 to 97. That's my guess. Okay. You're on. <laughs> I don't, I don't oh, know. I have a metronome on my phone. Of course I do, because that's how I roll. I bet hmm. I can figure it out real quick. I've done, I've done burpees to a metronome, but never double unders. Have you? I, like that. I haven't tried it. Here's another tip a coach gave me once that was really helpful to me. Uh, Keep your knees bent at all times. Yes. You can jump faster that way for one. Secondly, when your legs are stiff, then you have to load up the jump, which yep. slows you down and makes you trip. So we call that soft knees. Yes. That's what he used to tell me. Just keep soft knees. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Keep your knees bent, Willie. I'm like, why? It's like because you can't jump when your legs are stiff. And yep. then you're jumping with nothing but ankles, and that's even way harder. I call that make- straight leg syndrome. Yeah, it's the worst. And you're just destroying your calves destroying yes. them if you're trying to jump with your ankles you know, yeah just oh talk about a horrible feeling and everyone listening it's hard to to i could demo this obviously but if you're listening that's not going to help uh straight leg syndrome is basically when when you're jumping a lot of people they bend their knees to jump and they bend their ankles and their hips and they jump but when they jump they let their legs get completely extended so they fully extend their legs and their hips and their ankles And then when they land, their knees are still basically fully locked out. And what that ends up turning into is basically like a lot of people will will do this like jump where they're kind of only jumping with their ankles. They're only jumping by like extending their feet. And not only does it kind of ruin your jumping mechanics, it just you can't jump fast enough. A lot of times it fatigues you way faster. Um, And then it turns into this thing where you like start lifting your toes up, the toe tuck fault, as I call it. Uh, and then when you start tucking your toes, you're just not in a position to rebound. It, it's a disaster. So like, basically what I even tell people is like, when you jump, I almost want it to feel like you're a pogo stick. And I want you to lift your knees just ever so slightly while you're in the air. And that just helps them stay soft and, and keep you ready for the next bounce. What are the tips? Any other tips? Anything oh man, I got all the tips. So we talked about using a slightly heavier rope. Uh, We talked about keeping contact with the ground. If you have issues keeping contact with the ground and you're not hearing that tap, then you probably want to move to a longer jump rope. Um, Often I find people who have ropes that are a little bit too short for their spinning mechanics and they try to figure out how to narrow their hands. They, you know, they do everything to try to fix their, their jump and their spin when really if they just had a slightly longer rope, all of their problems would be solved. And then eventually... How are you picking length? I've heard I've heard a couple of ways to pick, but how do you pick? I so I pick by watching them do the movement and then go from there. I don't like the idea of like sizing it to like oh yeah you hold it up to your collarbone or oh yeah you hold it up to your shoulders because it it literally all depends on the way that you spin. But generally speaking, 
when I'm standing, you know, one foot on the middle of the rope and I pull it taut, you know, your handles at least need to get to your chest um, for most people. Um, unless you're just a super, super efficient double under, your handles at least need to be in your chest. For beginners, I err on the side of being longer. So potentially even higher than like higher than your, your traps. Um, because what happens is the errors that occur with a rope that's slightly too long are much less consequential than a rope that's too short. If you're, it's too short, you're tripping, guaranteed, 100%. Right. If it's too long, all that really happens is that you have a little bit of slack in the rope when it slaps the ground. It will make you slightly less efficient. You will eventually trip. A really, really long jump rope is a disaster, and you're going to trip just as much as a really short one. But just erring on the side of slightly longer uh, is normally a safe bet, especially for beginners, especially if you have a tendency to widen your hands when you jump. The rule of thumb I had always heard was you take your height and you add three feet. So if you're six feet tall like me, you need a nine foot rope. But that doesn't really like it doesn't take into account arm length. Like I have long arms. So I always buy my rope a little shorter, just a little like an inch. You know, Wait, so what was that? You you take your height and what? Take your height. You add three feet. Okay. Take your so six feet tall. You get a nine foot rope. Okay. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, it does, that doesn't take into account that we all have different body measurements. So you could have two people side by side, six feet tall, and they have different length arms, which could really happen. You yeah. know, it might be a lot, but half an yeah, inch. Just think about that. that. That's not a bad, not a bad guideline. I mean, I, so a rope, the rope that I like to use, uh, there was a while I was using the eight foot six rope, but then for whatever reason, it just started feeling a little bit short. Um, so now I've just gone to just a, a nine foot rope and that seems to be perfect for me. And, mm. and I'm five foot nine and three quarters. So now using the big ropes, just like the, the big guys like me. That's impressive. I'm five, I'm five, 10 on all the dating apps. I lie. <laughs> I round, I round up. I don't lie. I just round up. Do you, you round up on all the apps, <laughs> you get your photos taken. Do you, do you put shirts on for your Bumble photos or do you do the same stuff you do on no, I have a shirt on. I have a shirt on and, and a couple, couple pictures. Yeah. Okay. I mainly yeah. just use my dogs as leverage, you know? You? Um, so I think that's probably another really big tip. Here's one. If you have issues lifting your hands, we've talked about keeping contact with the ground. We've talked about keeping your hands in your, in your uh, line of sight peripheral. A more tactile cue is actually using a band and you can use a band to help force keeping your elbows down. And what a, a kind of a newer version of this that we've discovered is we take a band, you wrap it in two so that it's doubled up and then you basically thread each arm through and the band goes behind your back. Um, so rather than wrapping around your body, it's kind of like behind your back, which kind of pulls your elbows back. So like my elbows come back and to the side um which kind of, which helps keep the keep the hands in that perfect position that we like rather than the hands going too far behind or too far forward i have one of those I have one of what's what you're describing Dave, our, buddy Dave, our buddy Dave from arc smart gear sent me a beginner's pack is i one of those ropes so i can practice in the basement and yep. you know the like the practice ropes that don't go all the way over and he sent me this whole bounding kit that had one of those to keep your elbows in. And this is really crazy. It comes with shakers like maracas, but they feel like handles. And so you can get that sound you're talking about. Nice. I'm not even making this up. 
I it's love really, it. Yeah, Dave's, really cool. Dave's got the whole kit, man. He's he's got a lot of great stuff. So many great ideas, and I thought that was really clever. Like if you want to learn, like getting those tactile cues and keep your elbows in, you get the sound. You know, mm-hmm. throw a little maraca party. It's super fun. Love it. Yeah, it's good stuff. Love it. And he has it has like a bounding ball that has a magnet on it, so you can put it on a rig. Mm-hmm. So you can jump and hit your head. Hit your head on it. Nice. Yeah, yeah. it's very cool. That's very cool. Love it. Smart stuff. Um, let's see. Another uh, another one that I really like is uh, we kind of mentioned it earlier, but when you're doing double unders, you you need to make sure that your toes are pointed down when you're jumping. And we kind of talked about that toe tuck fault, but I still have seen people who do allow themselves to have soft knees. But for whatever reason, they get in this habit of like when they jump, they lift their toes up. So their their toes actually go flat or pointed up slightly. And I tell people to keep like I want you to keep your calves flexed so that when you jump, your toes are pointed down. Not only is that going to set you up better for the next jump, but you trip less. Like for whatever reason, when people start lifting those toes, it makes them land flat footed. It throws off their timing. And I've seen people trip out the gym because they're tucking their toes every jump. Yeah. That's the really popular donkey kick people used to in the early days before anybody knew how to do double unders. It was the best because they're afraid they're going to trip on the front. So they raise their toes to get the rope to go under. Not really well, I, mean, I call that a pike. And then oh, the donkey pike. kick is when it goes, when they're kicking their own ass. Oh. That's, that's what I call it at least. No, so yeah, you know, I, know you're I guess, you know, pike's probably the better way to describe it. We always call it a donkey kick because they're, Toes are coming up and it's forcing your feet forward. And then you're yeah. coming back. So your feet are kind of rocking, you know, and that jumping pattern is just is dumb looking. Out of buddy. Yeah. 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 We call that, we call that the pike. Um, and then the opposite would be what we call the donkey kick, where it's like people think that they need to lift their toes, you know, or lift their feet really high in the air, but they're not actually jumping very high. All they're doing is just <laughs> picking their feet up and slamming them repeatedly into the ground and, and basically kicking their own butt every time. Um, so when you jump, I just like that idea of a pogo stick, right? It's like, we're just, we're just bouncing straight up and down, slightly bending the knees each time. And it, it, it should look pretty straightforward. I actually have a video obviously on YouTube about this, about just like how to fix the donkey kick, how to fix the pike uh, with double unders. And I'd go through and I analyze like, Hey, here's what you should look like. You're basically a spring. You're making yourself into a spring. And I don't know if you've ever seen a spring. They definitely don't donkey kick and they definitely don't pike. So so last question on double unders and we're going to move on. How many times a week or should you be practicing and how off, How long? Okay. So That's a loaded question, but just generally speaking. Yeah. So I there, – there's a reason – when we made our double under course, double unders unleashed, uh, there's a reason we have the programming the way it is. And the programming is three days per week. Each session is anywhere between like 12 and 20 minutes per session. You're not jumping the entire time. You're practicing different drills, you're practicing different spinning mechanics. We have all kinds of fancy stuff in there, but I like the the idea of of peppering in practice in that like 10 to 30 minute range three times per week two to three times per week i would say because the the problem that happens with a lot of athletes is they'll do one four-hour session (laughs) they just 
beat it and I'm going to keep going until I get this. And they just beat it into the ground and then they won't revisit it for five weeks and then they'll try it again. And, and those like marathon sessions, I don't think work very well for double unders. It's all about consistency because you want to be able to hit double unders regardless of what kind of day it is, regardless of the moon phase or the, the shoulder soreness, all that stuff. So I like the idea of, of two to three times per week and uh, you know, those short training sessions. And then I like doing it either before or after your training session. I don't think it matters too, too much. It's okay to change it up. But I think, I think that's about the sweet spot for learning, learning the skill like double unders. And then, you know, obviously you can go as long as you want, but our, our double under course teaches eight weeks at a time. So it's an eight week cycle. Um, and I think that's about the sweet spot. I mean, people will make breakthroughs in a couple weeks because, you know, that one thing will click that one tip, that one cue or, you know, one specific drill will fix everything. Like sometimes when people finally learn how to do penguin claps, or penguin taps or whatever, um, when they finally those. learn how to do those correctly, it just like unlocks the world of double unders for them and boom, you know, they got them. So, yeah. I hope penguin taps show up in the gauntlet. Swear to God. Yeah. You're, you're a pro Adam. I would oh God crush them. Destroy the penguin taps. Just the total am- an hour long AMRAP of penguin taps. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> so good. What's yeah. this course called? Double Unders Unleashed? Yeah. So um, I think we're actually opening the doors to it tomorrow. I guess actually we do have it open tonight. Um, but it's like one of the first courses that we ever created. It's called Double Unders Unleashed. It's just a WAP prep course, eight weeks, three sessions per week of again, like that probably about 15 to 20 minutes per session. And we guarantee it's going to help you hit a new double under PR or your money back um, in eight weeks or less. And what we're doing actually right now is that we currently have on the schedule to shoot a brand new double under course called double under pro. And basically what we're doing is we're revamping double unders unleashed and making it into um, kind of like the quality of courses that we've been releasing recently. Because this course, Double Unders Unleashed, I filmed when I was in Japan by myself, you know, trying to hide a camera at the military gym. You know, so it's like the quality isn't quite as good, but the the actual coaching quality is fantastic. And it's worked for thousands of athletes. What we want to do is we want to make like, you know, the world's greatest Double Under videos with ultra HD slow motion video analysis, like really like high tech stuff, like think National Geographic level Double Under course. And we're going to shoot that here at Wad Prep HQ. So what we're offering is as a special, if you buy Double Unders Unleashed now, we're giving you 50% off. So it's only 97 bucks. You get lifetime access and you get free access to the new Double Under course that comes out probably later this year um, or maybe early January, but we're filming it later this year. So basically you get two Double Under courses for the price of one, including the brand brand new one, or actually for the price of half of one. So it's a, it's a really good deal. You can let um, me name your courses, dude. Say I wanna, what? I want to name your courses. Let me name your courses moving forward. Like Double okay. Unders Unleashed sounds like a Star Wars movie. You know, like this next one needs to be like Double Unders Unleashed, The Force Awakens, or you know, <laughs> the Rope Awakens. You know, the like Rope something, Awakens. Something totally ridiculous. Uh, okay, next next course. It's all you, man. Um, and also as a special to scale and bail listeners, I decided this on the drive over here. If anyone goes and buys Double Unders Unleashed, uh, basically this is, we're closing it forever. It's going to disappear forever, double, the old version. Um, if you buy it, 
uh, I think within the next eight days of releasing this podcast, then you message me on Instagram. I will review one of your double under videos. Um, that's only for scale and bill listeners. So you have to mention that you, you heard about it on scale and bill. So ben volunteers to roast you. That's what he's really saying. So if you send him a video, he will roast you. And uh, that's a good deal. Yeah. You got to do it on Instagram. I don't, don't want anyone emailing me. I'll roast you for like nothing. Just message <laughs> me. I'll just, I'll just so totally yeah. make fun of you. <laughs> Go grab it. Uh, the the URL is uh, wadprep.com slash double dash unders dash unleashed. Or you could just go to wadprep.com, navigate to the courses page, and you'll find the double unders unleashed button. Click that and you'll get there. Uh, but yeah, if you join it um, within the next like eight days, whatever the deadline is, I forget. Um, join it and then message me on Instagram. Let me know you heard about it on scale and bill. And then you can shoot me a message of your best set of double honors. And I'll give you, give you a video review. I'll like respond and tell you kind of what you're, what mistakes you're probably making, and then give you some feedback on where you need to look specifically within the course to make sure that you, you find the progress that you want. Don't send me your videos, people. I don't want to watch your double unders. Yeah. Don't send them to John. He'll meme you. I absolutely will. Hey, can we talk about uh, physical therapy? Sure. My shoulder hurts. How often? How often do you go get worked on? Do you have a physical therapist you work with? I have gotten worked on zero times in the last eight years. Seriously? Zero massage, or like technically, I've been forced to get massages, but none of them have been like, "Oh, this is going to make me a better crossfitter." Zero massages, zero chiropractor visits zero adjustments or whatever, um, zero physical therapy appointments. The only time that I've worked with a physical therapist is spraining my ankle playing basketball and then texting CJ and being like, what should I do? And he's like, move your ankle a bunch. It'll get better. And he was right. So that's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's been my take. He doesn't just totally give you hell for not seeing somebody on a regular basis. No, because his his entire practice is, is, and all of, all good physical therapists, their entire practice should be based around trying to get their clients not to need to come to them anymore. And it's a, it's a, it's it's sad because there's a lot of practitioners in the world that are rack 'em and crack 'em, right? It's like their whole goal is to get you to just come back, crack crack. All right, come back in a week when really. Uh, like physical therapists like CJ and Joe and a couple of the other people that um, are in the, kind of in this like new wave of physical therapists are like, Hey, we're trying to empower the athlete to realize that like, Whoa, my body's incredible at fixing itself. And if I have a tweak or something going wrong, like a physical therapist can really help me get through that, but it, it should be through it. Not, Ooh, I'm injured for the rest of my life and I need therapy to help me for the rest of my life. So that's like kind of the mindset shift. Yeah. But I've been talking about, um, I'm trying to find this physical therapist in my messages that from Phoenix that you got to move near. <laughs> she, she looked like she was doing a really nice job with people. As I was like kind of looking at her page. Um, yeah. And it, I, I want to be very clear that like, there's a lot of amazing physical therapists that are doing great work and some people need a lot more work than others, right? Some we, people need, we have all heard you rip on the whole industry. We know. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I have, I have three physical therapists that work for my team. So I, I, I love them. I just, there's they're a lot, they're there's they're a lot of notes. They're going to roast you tomorrow in the group chat. 
no, there's I, a lot of predators in the industry. I will just say I'm that. not talking about just go in and get your back cracked. I'm talking about someone that helps you move better. Someone like, mm-hmm. yeah, I know you're saying to like get you to go away, but like when you're training hard, I'm in a hard training cycle right now. Mm-hmm. You know, a really hard training cycle. Yep. I'm getting aches and pains I haven't had before. And like, I, I haven't visited a PT in five years, but I need one right now. I'll get this knot behind my shoulder that every time I take a deep breath, every time I sneeze, I want to cry. That's how bad mm-hmm. it hurts. Yeah. Like, that's- terrible. Right. And, uh, and, you know, I've got this hand problem. My wrists hurt. Like I'm just, I'm in a hard training cycle. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and so some of these aches and pains cannot be avoided. Right. When you're, when you're raising volume to a certain level. And so I guess that's the question is like when you're raising volume to train for something. So if you're training for a local comp, if you're training, uh, for the open that's coming up in four months, God forbid, trying to make quarterfinals, Whatever your goal may be, do you do you think there's a amount of time you should be seeing, or do you just wait until you have a problem like I do and go then? Yeah, I think I I think probably the latter. Um, so, like seeing a physical therapist, like yeah, like hey, you have some pain, right? And that pain's not going away. A, a good physical therapist is going to help you get through that. They're going to maybe do some adjustments are going to help you uh, do a couple exercises that could potentially strengthen the area. They'll advise you on, on rest and protocols to avoid, you know, increasing pain in that specific area. Um, and like a good physical therapist will definitely help you get through that. The, the, the idea that you go to like pre- preventative physical therapy is is something like I'm, I'm not too keen on, like, uh, you know, if you don't, if you're moving well and you feel good, then, you know, kind of keep doing what you're doing as issues start to arrive, then you could introduce a physical therapist to help you navigate those issues. But there, I know it works well for a lot of people. Like they have their protocols where it's like, you know, Hey, I do my my ice bath. And then I go to my physical therapist or my, my chiropractor and we do X, Y, and Z to help prevent things from happening in the future. I'm not, I'm not sure how, how beneficial it is, or like if there's actual any like data that it will prevent something, but I think a lot of it is between your ears. Right. So like mentally, if going and getting a massage on, let's say a Saturday morning or, or an adjustment or something like that, if that makes you feel really good and you just like feel better coming out of it and you feel more relaxed, then it could be absolutely outstanding for you. Um, it's, it's all about like, how do you respond as an athlete? Like, but I don't think like if someone is, is training hard, they're, they're feeling pretty good. They have what I would say is this like normal soreness and normal, you know, aches and pains just that, that occur due to overtraining. If they're able to add rest, like add, you know, this kind of focused attention on rest and recovery that we've talked about so many right. times in this podcast, if they're able to add rest and help those symptoms alleviate, then that's pretty much what it is. It's just volume and rest management. But there are certainly times, John, where like, like you're saying, you got this wrist thing. You're like, man, I've rested. I've done some stuff and it still freaking hurts. That's where I think definitely hiring that PT and they can really help you get through a lot of things. Well, I'm just wondering, and you know, I'm just kind of thinking out loud to myself these days around, you know, what makes the most sense for me, a, like a good physical therapist, this isn't about going in and getting, 
you know, dry needled and ice baths. And I think there's some of that stuff's in there too. And maybe a part of, you know, the quote unquote treatment that you're going to pay for. But like, I view it almost like a new, like a nutritionist. Like I don't have a nutritionist year round. I have one right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm in a different training cycle. I want to make sure I got somebody looking over my shoulder, slapping the Snickers bar out of my hand. <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? And I kind of, kind of feeling the same way right now about a physical therapist that I don't want to go year round. But I'm thinking maybe I want a second set of eyes to watch me move and to ask me to do a squat and give me some tips and to give me some mobility movements I can do outside of the gym. And that's because, you know, bluntly, you know, our coach, like I I get a lot of one-on-one coaching right now, but even your one-on-one coaches can only watch you so much. Yeah. I mean, my coaches are working out with me, so they're not sitting there going, oh, that your squat looks like hell woolly. Like they're right next to me do actually doing the workout, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's a little, it's a kind of a different thing. So I think having a, another set of eyes on you can be, you know, really beneficial. Sure. And, you know, but you know, there's a price involved to it too. So I get it. Like there's only so many yeah. people you can pay. I guess that was just really my question is like, I don't know how many people does, does CJ coach like this? I mean, he has a whole staple of athletes, doesn't he? Yeah. I mean, we have, I mean, we have a, bunch of athletes that he programs for many of which have moved they came to him for for pt got healthy and then they're like i want you to be my crossfit coach <laughs> right yeah. and then like and then they switch to performance um but- yeah, i guess i'm just wondering out loud how many people should be thinking that way as they're you know i got in this debate last night with some people around crossfit having world-class coaching and can you really count level one coaches as world-class and then there's a lot under the hood there but I just got me thinking about like, do we really think of our PTs as coaches or do we just go when your shoulder hurts? So this is an interesting yeah. thing. And I have a couple of thoughts on that. So I specifically for like the PT experiences I've had in the past. So when I was training for uh, regionals and I was like a regional level athlete and uh, owned a gym, the common thought was like yeah you got to go to a pt to just like because that's the only way you're going to stay healthy enough to train at a high level you got to go for preventative maintenance you got to do this you got to do that you know it's going to help manage my mobility imbalances vomit so those were like all hot items back in the day and i went to pt every single week and he like as much as I try, I really wanted to like get that homework that you're talking about to be like, Hey, I want to move better. I want to do this. And we're talking like, he was like an elite CrossFit tur PT. Right. that did a bunch of games athletes. Every time I go in there, it's just like, you know, Oh yeah. Like I'm, you know, I feel like my overhead squats tilting this direction. Like what do I need to do to fix it? Cause that's like what I thought PT was about. And he would kind of like, he'd like crack my back. He'd like massage one area and I'd like go sit in the Norma tech boots and then I'd leave. Right. Like he'd give me a little bit, but it was nothing that actually like changed me. And what I realized is that like, it was very easy. And I think it's very easy for a lot of CrossFitters to become reliant on these like passive modalities of like someone else working on them. When what was interesting is that like, Eventually, um, I moved. I, I like lo- I basically lost access to this PT. Started training at a higher level, but just started doing it all myself. And actually, like my pain kind of like went down, and my mobility. Like I just focused on moving well and like um, 
making sure that my movement was the best that it could be. And then like, if any injuries popped up, that was when I would actually go seek like medical care, you know, like PT care or something like that. But I started, I actually started toning down my, like my, my need to be worked on. So less massages, less, you know, acupuncture, less cupping, less, like less of all these various passive things that we get sold and more just like, I'm going to train and I'm going to really focus on making sure that I recover better. And I actually started feeling better because I think, I think we can overdo it as CrossFitters. So I think there's just like a very delicate line. If there are great PTs out there and if they give you the tools and the homework and like the, the instruction to like help empower you. So like you can do a lot of this stuff on your own and yeah, you can use them as a sounding board and you can use them for some adjustments and things like that. But if, if you need to go see them and they have to put hands on you and they have to crack your back a certain way and you got to do it every single week, it's like, Ooh, that, that's a great business model. But it, I don't think it's necessarily empowering the athlete to be like a well-rounded athlete. Like there for thousands of years, we were, you know, kind of elite performing, you know, athletes, hunter gatherers, and we didn't have people working on us. The body's really good at like at healing and adapting and, and overcoming. Um, so it's just there's a very delicate balance between being sold the idea that I must have this passive intervention on a weekly basis. And if I don't have that, then I'm going to be broken. If I don't get acupuncture, if I don't get dry needled, or if I don't get cupping on my upper left shoulder, it's going to flare up. It's like that, that's, that's a, a heavy reliance on someone outside of yourself. Uh, but never if you're been cupped, not even once. Yeah. So and I know like I'm, I'm regurgitating a lot of what I've learned from CJ because he is he's been a practicing PT for a lot of years. And basically, like he was in the industry of what I'm talking about. He kind of like he has been exposed to the the model of get some like get someone reliant on you for their performance. And then you got them for life. And that's how, unfortunately, a lot of a lot of people are selling their services. But uh, uh, the there's a, there's like a, a cohort of PTs out there that are like, my goal is to empower you, to teach you, and then you're good and you can go do it on your own. And yeah, like, I don't think I don't think anyone's selling to me that I need to go on a weekly basis, Ben. Particularly not the true. guy I'm going to see tomorrow. Like it that's wasn't true. even part of the conversation. Like I, don't, you know, yeah. Um, you know, I guess my whole topic was is like I'm in a lot of pain right now because I've amped up the volume, and when you amp up the volume, like how beneficial is it really? You know, that's like, cause that, you know, it is, when you start breaking it down, it's a lot of money to spend. Oh, for sure. You know, and like, then your debate is like, do I reduce volume? Right. If I don't want to spend the money. Like, cause that's the, the only other option here is like, you go see the person that can help you fix it or you fix it yourself. And you, in order to do that, I'd have to reduce volume. That's my right. other choice. And yeah. I'm nine weeks out from the gauntlet. So I, I either have to do the gauntlet half-assed, which I'm not going to do. Mm-hmm. Or continue at my volume, don't see the guy and risk injury, or go see the guy and try to help get it fixed. Yeah, so it'd be really interesting if, because you know, uh, a lot of PTs uh, or really anyone, like a, a lot of them will will also prescribe that reduced volume, right? So like that's a very common. Like if I have a hurt shoulder and I need help, I'm going to get help with it. But then also they're going to be like, hey don't do as much stuff because that's what's probably causing a lot of this pain and inflammation and stuff like that. It'd be interesting if like, if you go to this PT and I'm sure he's a great PT, 
if you go and he's able to give you some tools and, and, and do things to potentially help uh, alleviate some of that pain, are you able to stay at the same level of volume? That's a great question. And if that's the case, yeah. like, then it could be a good, good tool to use. Well, that's going to be the test, isn't it? Yeah. That's the thing. Yeah. yeah. We'll see. I know I don't like to hurt when I sneeze. So. No, I mean, that, that sounds terrible. And that, like in a case like that, like that's exactly the, you know, I think there's, there's, there's a, some people might want to go to a PT. It's like, I, my pec is sore, right? I need a PT. So well, maybe you just need to like rest, you know, for a day or two, but like, yeah, freaking sharp shooting pain when you take a deep breath or laugh or sneeze. It's like, that's yeah. pain. That's no one wants that. And you shouldn't be told to suck it up. Um, there's seeing someone that knows what the heck's going on could certainly help with that. Well, and you know, probably the better debate was when do you see a, uh, you know, physician, your family doctor, and when do you see a PT and, you know, so no one sends me a dirty message. Like I've had this pain before. I know this is not family physician pain. This mm-hmm. is not behind my shoulder pain because I've done too many thrusters and pull-ups and, you know, combined movements. Like it's uh, not behind my scapula. Like, and so I've got enough, I have enough experience. I've seen that before and I've been to an orthopedist with shoulder problems. And so I, I have enough history behind it to, to know I'm seeing the right person, but I'm not sure I would recommend that to everyone. Yeah. If you don't, yeah, I mean, if you haven't been through it before. You need to, you have to experience it. I mean, it's just the best way to put it. Yeah. But. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely talk to your doctor. Definitely. I mean, there's great PTs and most CrossFit gyms have a PT that they're associated with. Like the one up the street, uh, here in, uh, advantage, um, my buddy, Jimmy, owns a PT clinic and he's, he's amazing. He's awesome. Like, I mean, hey, you know, like if he's going out of business, cause you never go to him. Huh? <laughs> or Jimmy. Yeah, Jim, I, I Jimmy's him. living on the corner, standing out there holding a sign. We'll PT for food because Ben won't come here and see me. Cause he's too damn good to see a PT. That's what no, I never go to him. Cause I'm, cause I don't really have those injuries. Right. So, but if I was training at a super high level or if I um, get in a really bad accident, like one where it's like, wow, I can't rehab from this then he's going to be probably one of the first person that I call to go get that in-person, like, you know, he'll give me homework he'll give me moves to do. He, I watch him like his clients are lifting weights, which I love. Like, it's not just like, here's a, I'm going to zap you and then you're healed. Um, he's lifting weights with them. He's doing all kinds of different modalities. And then like his goal is to be like, yep, how are you feeling? You're good. Awesome. Like, here's some homework for you and let me know if it flares back up. Not like, all right, well, how can we get you on the monthly plan? You know? Um, so yeah, I'm going to message CJ and tell him you just pooped on his entire industry. He'll believe and he'll, he'll agree. Cause he poops on his industry all the time. He, yeah. He, he'll love <laughs> that. His, has his wife had her baby yet? Yeah. CJ's a dad, man. Oh man. They'll let anybody have kids boy or girl. I don't remember. I'm an uncle. I am an uncle to Bennett. Girl, uh, boy. Oh, he named his kid after you. Damn. That's a pro <laughs> oh, move. God, no. That is a pro move. If you want to make CJ really angry. You can you can call me his boss, and you can say that I named he named his kid after me. I'm gonna call CJ and go, CJ. You're not gonna believe how this podcast went. Ben said he was your boss. He said you named his kid after him, and then he shed all over PTs. It was a <laughs> hey, wild we'll episode. Love bro. that. We need to yeah. get him back on here. I mean, uh, this would actually be a really good continuing discussion to actually have a PT on. Maybe two different PTs. 
Um, and to yeah, we have some, we have some in the chat right now that are mad at you. So that good works. because I would love for them to talk to CJ and talk to Joe and talk to talk to me because there's there's a lot of amazing ones and then there's definitely some that aren't and there's a it's 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 tough just like CrossFit gyms right it's like there's some uh, outstanding coaches you know the fastest way the fastest way to piss off a PT. Call him a chiropractor. Oh man, <laughs> I did I did a bunch of memes once about, and I I was using the term chiropractor because people most, especially in the early days of CrossFit, most associated that type of work with chiropractors. That those were the people that were partnering in the early days with CrossFit. You know, and I, you know memes are short form form comedy, so you have to be right to the point. People have to know what you're talking about. And using the initial PTs, people weren't, you know, people weren't picking up on that. So I would say chiropractor. And every time I would do one, I'd get no less than five or six messages from PTs, just raising hell about how I was personally ruining the industry. <laughs> I'm like, don't blame me, bro. Do not blame me that this is funnier. It's just a funnier line, you know? Yeah. So, um, and actually, Lindsay in the comments says, and I, I like the sound of this, you know, there's a group of PTs who are doing things different. Check out the Institute of Clinical Excellence. Um, so I have no idea. I have not vetted that. Uh, CJ, I'm sure would know, but, uh, but yeah, I just, the, the idea that like, Hey, there's, there are phenomenal PTs out there that are, that are doing things differently that are like really trying to empower the athlete and give you tools to, to apply to your life. Um, like for instance, my dad went to a PT Joe for months and months and months because I was paying for Joe to write my dad workouts and then also work with him as a physical therapist to like, like mitigate and manage various shoulder and knee pain and injury things. Um, because like when you have an injury, when you're convinced that you have a quote unquote problem with a specific muscle or specific joint, like the PT almost works as a psychologist sometimes to help teach you and train you that like, you're not broken and you know, you can do things and you have to kind of expose your body to these movements and then eventually your body's like oh wow look i can do these things without pain right so it's, it's a very interesting um you know cg always tells me he's like he's half psychologist half physical therapist because a lot of it is the psychology of, of like not i am not broken i just happen to experience pain here here's what we'll do we'll have cj on the doctor that messaged me doc gg is her instagram name doc.gigi she follows the show listens to the show so she hears this What's up, Doc? And uh, we'll have her on with CJ and we'll let them hash it out and they can say what's up. She seems like a good doctor from looking at her page. She's got a lot of good content. Yeah, so. he, he would love it, um, especially like talking about the the necessity for ongoing. Like that's a really good question to ask him because he's worked with a lot of really high level mm-hmm. athletes, um, like including like Sam Briggs and stuff like he's worked with the top of the top. Right. But he's also has a very like a very strong stance about like essentially not needing it if you don't need it. So I just think that's a really cool, it's a really, really cool thing. We could get the guy on that's working on me and just come on and talk about what a mess I am. This guy's a mess, Ben. It's all screwed up. Shouldn't be giving advice to others when he's broken down like this. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right, bro. Anything else? We cover everything. Oh man. Um, yeah. Just a reminder for everyone needing help with their double unders, um, wadprep.com, go to courses and then click double unders unleashed. We're closing the course down for good in about eight or so days, depending on when you're listening to this. Um, and if you join before it closes, you'll get access to Double Unders Unleashed, which is our best-selling double under course, 
It'll be 50% off and you get free access to the crazy, ridiculously high quality newer version that we're releasing um, sometime in late 2022 or early 2023. And if you mention Scale and Bail and DM me on Instagram, then you can send me a video, your double unders, and I'll give you a, a video review, give you a response and let you know what your specific issue might be. A video, a video roast directly from Ben at Wide Prep. I love it. I love it, dude. And then next awesome. time you're gonna let me name the name the videos, right? Next time, next course, I'm gonna let you name it. Dubs Unleashed, The Rope Awakens. I really did like how to kill nothing but time in the woods. I thought that was a good one. Yeah. That was a damn good one. A really good one. I like the follow-up meme I did that only went into your group chat. Oh man, you should have released that here. Hmm. we'll save that for another time <laughs> all right it's fun ben as always great talking to you for everyone listening thanks for joining appreciate you guys being in the chat and we will talk to you guys next week love all of you bye <laughs>